Hello, and welcome to the On Growth Podcast. I'm Josh Ledgard, founder of Kickoff Labs. In today's interview, we're going to talk to David Gobad. He's the founder and CEO of Passfolio. Passfolio is a financial app that he describes as the Robin Hood for the rest of the world. In today's interview, you're going to learn how David used Kickoff Labs to validate their business idea and then get over 16,000 people signed up on their wait list. With over 25,000 viral views based on the Kickoff Labs sharing to their campaign, you'll see why it was a success. You'll also learn why a new CS grad from Stanford made a hard right turn to go to law school instead of cashing straight in as an app developer after school. As you're listening to this, you may want to check out the episode notes uh, in the link where we'll have a full transcript um, with key takeaways and images of the pages and emails used in this campaign. As always, these interviews are sponsored by our sponsor, our only sponsor, ourselves, Kickoff Labs, where we'll help you set up viral contests in minutes, go beyond landing pages, quickly and easily set up giveaways, sweepstakes, product launches like this one, and places where fans can earn points and rewards for telling their friends and promoting your brand. We even work really well with Shopify. So if you wanna take somebody and turn them into a promoter instead of just a customer, uh, we can do that for your Shopify store. Email support at kickofflabs.com to find out how. All right, let's get on with the show. with uh, David Gobod. He's the founder and CEO of uh, Passfolio. And so, uh, David, how are you doing today? I'm great, Josh. It's uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you as well. Um, why don't you tell um, people about briefly about Passfolio and kind of the successes that you've had with the company to date and where you guys are at? Yeah, so Passfolio is an app that allows users all over the world to invest commission-free in United States stocks and cryptocurrencies. And we're, we're actually about to launch uh, the cryptocurrency support probably in the next week or two. So it's a really exciting time for us. Um, in terms of where we are, you know, we launched in a private beta last year and we're, you know, looking to grow big uh, this year. And so anybody right now, as of now, anybody who wants the app can download it and start using it? Yes. Yep. We are live in the Apple and Android app stores. Well, and I like the description you had before we started. Uh, before we started the recording, you described uh, what you guys built as Robin Hood for the world. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that is a simple way to think about it. Perfect. I, I mean, I think it helps frame it helps frame the app for uh, for what people uh, wh what people are <laughs> are hearing during the interview. Um, so. Tell me about your background. So how did you get here? Did you start out as an intern in a banking institution? Were you an app developer? What was your path to get to this point? Um, well, I'd say, you know, I've been working on startups for a long time. I studied computer science at Stanford. I graduated from there in 2010 and then actually went to law school, which I graduated from in uh, 2015 from Harvard. So it was not uh, sort of a banking or finance history. It was more a startup entrepreneurship that uh, led me here. And it was actually originally back in, I guess, 2017 now, 
um, got into the space through a, crypto, a cryptocurrency project. Um, so that's sort of what introduced me to the space. And then, you know, as I traveled the world, you know, I saw that uh, people wanted access to um, better investments. And that's how I came up with the idea for Passfolio. Cool. So I want to back up a second because it was kind of interesting. So you graduated with a CS degree from Stanford. Um, now, at that point, I think a lot of people might say, I've now struck it rich. I can work for any of these big companies here in the Valley. I can command a king's ransom in terms of a salary uh, most places. And you said, no, I'm going to go to law school. So how did that right turn happen? Yeah, well, so I, so one is I did not want to just go work at you know, some big company. I, I had done an internship uh, at one of them and it was a, you know, it, it was a great experience, you know, lots of perks and benefits and stuff, but I, you know, it, it seemed very, um, I don't know, not exciting. <laughs> and what actually happened my last year at Stanford, I was the Stanford student body president and got very interested in government, actually. So after Stanford, I went to uh, Washington, D.C. and actually interned at the White House um, in the Council of Economic Advisors and, you know, did more government stuff. And that solidified my interest in law school. And long term, I actually planned to go, you know, possibly back into government in some form. And, you know, the idea with the law school was if you look at where technology is going, it's going to be very important to, you know, think about regulations. How do mm -hmm. you regulate technology to, you know, protect people while not stifling innovation? And it, you know, I think that's become, you know, more important. It's more important every day. You look at what's going on with, you know, there is this company that I think is mined, you know, all of Facebook's images and has like a huge, you know, facial recognition database. You have all the, you know, the big issue with Uber, you know, what's a contract worker, what's a full-time employee. Actually, on a prior startup uh, called Yoshi that I co-founded, we were dealing with gas transportation regulations. But basically, as the law moves into the, into the real world, the physical world, right, it really starts to... Um, you know, have a, well, it starts to run into, you know, more harder issues from a legal and regulatory mm -hmm. and human and human aspect, right? You, you're, you're seeing this everywhere, you know, self-driving cars are another one. So, you know, that's what took me um, to law school. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a great answer. And I think, I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's frustrating, uh, total aside from the point of the interview, but it is frustrating to see people in government discussing potential regulations and things to do with Facebook. And these are people who you can tell barely know how to upload a profile image on Facebook. And you're like, I'm not sure you're the right person to come up with the answer here. Um, and so it's good, it's good to hear that there's uh, people like you out there looking uh, looking to get back into the challenge at some point as well. So now let's go back into Passfolio. And so you've got this idea uh, for you know the the access to stock trading worldwide, building a simpler app. Aren't there a bunch of these apps out there today? I mean, aren't there a bunch of apps uh, that do similar things in the market? And so how did you? break through the noise and promote uh, your product? Uh, and what have you done to promote and market your product in a world where there are seemingly, from a customer perspective, a lot of different financial app options? 
so there are in the United States, right? So we actually, so we don't focus on the United States, especially now, you know, the market has been driven uh, to basically zero fees in the U.S. You've got mm-hmm. everyone doing it now. E-Trade, Ameritrade, uh, you know, SoFi, Square, every, Charles Schwab, you know, everyone's zero. And there are a million options in the U.S. for people to invest in the U.S. stock market. But that is not true abroad uh, for, you know, everyday people. It's always been true for really rich people, right? But it's not for people who want to invest, say, you know, a dollar in Apple. Mm-hmm. And so we're also provide fully fractional shares. I don't even think Robinhood does that yet. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can, you know, invest a dollar uh, in any stock. And the key is, you know, it's still, you know, this also gets to why I still, you know, I'm a big believer in cryptocurrency is, it is still hard and expensive for people to move uh, to, you know, to do to move money around internationally. So if you want to invest mm-hmm. in the U.S. stock market, you probably got to get your, you know, whatever foreign currency you have into the U.S. market. And if you do a swift international wire that, you know, you're looking at maybe fifty dollars in mm-hmm. fees, not counting the conversion rate. So we make it fast, easy and cheap for people all over the world to invest in the U.S. stocks. So, mm-hmm. for example, we have some, you know, foreign exchange providers where people send in currency in the local, uh, the local currency. So, for example, in Brazil, they can send over RIAI using the TED banking system and, you know, same day, sometimes within, you know, minutes, get USD credit into their brokerage account and trade stocks the same day. Um and, you know, it also going back to the cryptocurrency stuff, you know, and once again, how there are so many options in the U.S., we also, you know, take the U.S. dollar for granted, right? But look at, you know, currencies do crash. You know, this is one reason why, you know, people in Venezuela love, you know, they, they want to use Bitcoin or they like Bitcoin because <laughs> it may be volatile, but it's nothing like their local currency. Um, in the U.S., we also, you know, we don't go to bed at night worried about our banks, uh, collapsing, right? They're insured and federally bailed out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes, you can also use Castfolio is just basically a store of U.S. dollars. So I, I I hear the differentiator now, and I so I get the market. You've got international customers who are looking to do these sort of modern things that U.S. customers might have been able to do for a couple of years now. Um, how do you promote to these uh, customers? Like, how are you, what did, what sort of things were you doing to market while you were setting up your private beta? Sure. So there, so we, you know, we ran some, you know, ads, Google, Facebook type ads to bootstrap it. But then there was a lot of uh, word of mouth. We have a referral program that's still going really strong. We give out promo codes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, we're, what we see is that users, you know, love the app and actually find it valuable because it, it actually provides a real, you know, valuable service to them. It gives them access to the best investments in the world, broadly, you know, the U.S. dollar and the U.S. stock market, and they tell their friends. Yep. So you've, you've got an app that's uh, that's got the potential for word of mouth, and you set up a referral program. Uh, can you talk about how you used um, Kickoff Labs to help with this? Yeah, so the great thing with Kickoff Labs is that it let us set up the referral program before the app was ready. So we were able to, we actually even used, I think, Kickoff Labs to run A-B tests on different product ideas before we had 
decided to develop this product because we wanted to see, you know, which ads performed best, which ones, you know, which one resulted in the most conversions of people giving us, you know, their email. So you would, you were running A-B tests and sort of uh, marketing messages on the landing pages and kickoff labs that you were running and saying like, which one were get, was getting more signups, which one was getting more people to, to spread word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so can you describe like an example of something you learned through that, uh, through that kind of testing? Yeah. I mean, the one, it's how we picked the idea test folio. I had several other ideas that we were testing, including, you know, using cryptocurrency for remittances, you know, banking the unbanked. And I think we were looking at Nigeria. Um, what else? We had a, like a strike for crypto idea. And, you know, basically this is the product idea that performed the best. And it also, well, Kickoff Labs didn't really help with this part, but we ran the ad in, you know, many different countries. And we, you know, saw uh, the country where there seemed to be the highest interest, mm-hmm. which was super helpful too. Great. So you you set up landing pages. You had a few different um, variations of you know, kind of what sounded like they were all in finance, but sort of a finance related applications. Um, and you set up a series of landing pages and started advertising and promoting each of these landing pages to see which ones would perform the best. Exactly. Yep. And, and that is how we decided which, uh, which basically what that's how we decided to build Passfolio. We, I mean, you know, I've done several startups. Yep. And, uh, I sort of learn something every time. And <laughs> yeah, you know, I wanted to, um, you know, I, I realized it's important to test the market first with as little coding as possible and Kickoff Labs let us do that. Yeah. And how many, um, if you don't mind, how many leads did you get uh, using Kickoff Labs uh, once you narrowed in on the Passfolio idea? So I'm seeing, yeah, I'm looking right now. It looks like we had over 16,000 people sign up in Kickoff Labs for the waitlist. And then, how did you go about? Um, were you giving people anything? Uh, were you giving people anything to sign up? Were you giving people anything to uh, to share? Were they getting earlier access if they shared? What were you um, What were you using to motivate people to sign up and, and eventually share? So all of those. So we started off in private beta and the way it worked was we, you know, let the users who are basically the top users who referred the most people got in first. So there was a wait list. You would move up the wait list if you referred more people and you would get early access if you did that. So for a while, you know, we would start by inviting like 10 people. Then we did like a hundred people a week for a while. And then we did a thousand people and, you know, based on when you got actually invited to the app, you would get a different reward. So I think the first people that signed up got like $25 of some stock. Then, you know, it lowered to maybe 20 and then 10. Mm-hmm. So it encouraged people to uh, share, you know, to share share their referral link. Well, so how did you decide to do, it sounds like you're giving people kind of some some actual dollar value and credit so that once they... If they promoted their friends, they could have gotten, you know, 20 or, you know, $10 or some amount of money to invest while using the app. How did you decide that was the best idea or that was a good idea to do to kind of just, you're basically saying like, here's some cash to use our app and and we think you'll like it and you'll get hooked on it. Um, you know, it seems to be just a common growth model. You know, I think several services have done that successfully. And I mean, we saw the same thing. I think PayPal's one of the first ones that 
I don't know if they're one of the first ones, but they were one of the early ones that did it very successfully. Yeah, I talked to uh, I talked to a different company recently in in the in uh, finance space, and they said, you know, getting a, a finance uh, finance customer uh, can cost online with ads up, upwards of one thousand to two thousand dollars per customer and so any amount of that that he could just give directly to his customers to refer somebody else uh, was worth it to him because he'd rather his answer is he'd rather be paying his customers than paying Google or Facebook um, directly that yeah. way. no exactly so yeah no we still have a we're actually relaunching our referral program but yeah uh, there will be the chance to I think get up to a hundred dollars um, for both the person doing the referral and the person that gets referred. So, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, in the finance space, the customer acquisition cost is definitely higher because it's, it's uh, you know, it's not the easiest. It's not just like you enter your email and password and you can, you know, start using the app. It's There's a lot of regulations and laws that require us to, you know, get a lot of uh, what's known as uh, know your customer information, your name, your address, a photo of your ID. So it, you know, it, it, it takes a bigger commitment to get users to, you know, submit all the info. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I saw Brex for like the credit card was paying like $500. So it can definitely, you know, we're, uh, it, I mean, yeah, it'd be better. I'd rather, you know, give the money to users and give it to Facebook or Google. Yeah, and then presumably with the model in this space, one of the reasons a good idea is, is like I said, once people have that money to play around with and start doing the investing, it, it becomes a real simple shift for them to then say like, oh, I see how this works. Now I'll use my own money and um, and put you know some of my own money into the system, which then I assume benefits you guys because then you're managing that money and the trading and everything that goes on. Yep, yeah, yeah. The lifetime value of the users um, is I'd say definitely higher than, you know, non-financial apps mm -hmm. in general, you know. So what's been uh, the most challenging part to getting to this public, the public app launch where you're at now and now working on a second referral program with the public launch? What's been the most challenging thing to date for you? For you? Well, it's all, you know, it's not a trivial app to develop. It's actually a lot more complicated than you may think. So just, you know, the, the engineering side, there's been a lot of, you know, app work, server work, uh, also, a lot, you know, a lot of, we're in a highly regulated industry. So, mm -hmm. you know, we've even had to have some people that take various exams to get certain licenses. It even took a long time to get the license. Um, there's just, I was, just was going to ask, this is, it's, not like, it's not like launching an app like, like Twitter, where you just, you're launching this app and, you know, people can just do what they want with it. You don't really need much of a background to launch the app. So you had to get people specially, people that worked for you writing code, specially licensed and certified to be able to write or, or access certain bits of financial data? No, not, well, yes on the customer info part, not on the writing code. The regulatory stuff applies to like the customer support reps mm -hmm. that are helping users with stock trades, for example. Got it. Or, you know, or just running a broker dealer, there's, uh, it's regulated by a FINRA and there's, you know, exams people have to take to get the, to, you know, show they're qualified. Got it. Understood. Um, and so kind of dealing with kind of that, that red tape has been, uh, has been the most challenging part, you would say. That's the most expensive part. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the engineering yeah. is still the most, probably the most, the engineering and then partnerships related to, I mean, there's still a lot of, you know, old technology in the space. Sometimes you have to integrate with 
Um, that moves slow. It, you know, it doesn't move at internet speed, some of this stuff. So, <laughs> like, it's a long, it's like a six-month process to more or less get um, the U.S. broker-dealer license. So, that, I mean, that took time. Uh, developing the app took time. Partnerships take time. It's a, it, yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a, I love the space, but it's definitely a lot of work. Um, what advice do you have for uh, somebody who might be setting up uh, or looking to launch an app in the next year um, and you know, thinking about how they should go about marketing and finding customers? What, what advice do you, do you have for people that have kind of similar goals in terms of app distribution? Well, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of the try to, you know, test the product market fit before writing a line of code. Mm-hmm. So I, so I really, you know, like the idea of doing different landing page, you know, AB tests or different product tests. If, you know, if there's not some idea that for whatever you have conviction in it, or you're looking at five ideas, mm-hmm. I would say a data-based approach to trying to find, you know, the one that makes the most sense or has the most demand for it's probably a smart thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely rings true with me. I mean, we started, uh, uh, when we started Kickoff Labs, uh, my co-founder and I, we had five different app ideas and we said, well, you know, we started writing these business plans around them and you get to a certain point and all the numbers you're writing down are just like fictional BS, right? Like I could make any any of them look good. And so it came down to like, okay, well, which one of these things do we think we could effectively market and find an audience for? Um, and so then we said, well, what we really need is to set up these these landing pages. And we said, we're developers. So we're like, well, how about a product that made that easy? Um, setting up the referrals in the landing pages. He said, all right, that's idea number six. We'll build that. Then we'll build out all six landing pages. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we uh, we started, uh, we had kind of two winning ideas from that. And we'd started down the path of developing both ideas. And then uh, eventually this one started to get faster traction. And so that's how we ended up with uh, where we are today. Cool. So, yeah, it's awesome. It definitely, definitely rings true. So, I, we've gotten to the part near the end of the interview where I want to ask sort of the fast five questions. So for you personally, how do you get into the work zone? Um, I don't know if I do anything special. I try to go to the gym in the morning. Okay. That's it. I don't know. I feel like I'm just working 24-7. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to take care of this physical part, and then I can yeah. go focus yeah. on work and not feel guilty the rest of the day for not yeah. moving. Um, right. Okay, favorite. Um, so you're working 24-7, and uh, right. I know it's a kind of busy busy time for you guys. So yeah. what about favorite, uh, if you you know reached a milestone, you're going to go celebrate on vacation, favorite vacation destination? Oh, man. Um, hmm, maybe Vegas. Vegas. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I don't love to travel, but <laughs> Vegas is close. <laughs> Vegas is close enough. Got it. All right. Um, favorite, uh, favorite book or podcast? Book or podcast? Well, I don't have a, well, actually, no, I do have a favorite podcast. It was the one, what's the most famous one? The, 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 the it was like a real life, the murder mystery. The, unfortunately, the it was about the murder, the unsolved murder. Was it, was it Serial? Was that it? Yeah, Serial. That yep. one. Yep. Um, and then uh, something you learned in the last year. Huh. Let me think. I've learned about the learned about more today called the travel rule. <laughs> it's, a, it's a banking regulatory thing. 
Okay. Uh, can you just describe <laughs> it briefly, or is it something that's yeah, complicated? Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not that complicated. It has to do, well, I don't know the details. It has to do with, so, so we support a lot of international users. Mm-hmm. We support, you know, for, fast, easy, and cheap uh, money movement from foreign countries back to the U.S., and several financial institutions are involved, including, you know, at least two of ours. And there is a, it's, you know, I don't know the details yet, but there's some legal requirement that, it seems the financial institutions share information about the customers as they move the money between the different financial institutions. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So yeah. how, uh, la- final question, um, someone you look up to business uh, or personal? Well, that one's easy. Elon Musk. I'm a huge fan. I was actually driving, I guess it was two days ago, down the 101 and you know from san francisco down to palo alto and i saw six tractor trailers full of teslas driving north and i saw one empty trailer driving south i don't know exactly how their distribution you know pipeline works but i swear every time i'm on the 101 i see like a truck full of teslas it's crazy like i i mean what what elon is doing i just think is amazing i think he's by far the best you know entrepreneur out there right now working on probably the hardest things you know cars and rockets neither one is easy yeah absolutely i uh, know that's a, that's a great answer um so thanks for joining us today um if somebody had a question that goes beyond this interview a question about past folio how can they reach you um so if it's about the app, they should email, they can email hello or support at passfolioapp.com or they can email me, David, at passfolioapp.com. Perfect. Um, anything that uh, that we missed that you feel like we should have talked about? No, I think that covered it. Um, it was really great talking to you and um, thanks for making Kickoff Labs. It's been a big help. Uh, no problem, absolutely. Uh, it's great talking to you as well. And uh, I hope you have a great uh, rest of your day and week. Thanks, you too. Thanks for listening to today's interview. If you enjoy the On Growth podcast, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you'd like to run your own viral campaign or set up a waitlist for your upcoming business like they did, check out kickofflabs.com. We can provide the landing pages, referral tracking, leaderboards, and reward level emails required to make your next product launch a complete success.